0: how many love Jesus today? You love him? That's the first time I've asked that question in 2024. How about that? It's exciting to be back together with the church family. A big shout out to all of our locations. Manual Online, those worshiping in Maple Grove, Elk River, Lakeville, or Spring Lake Park. Man, it's amazing that we get to be together at the beginning of this year. In fact, you've come to the right place. In fact, turn to the person next to you and just tell them you came to the right place. Hey, before I get into today's particular message, I just want you to know that I've been praying for you, and I believe that God is going to do new things in your story this year, and they're good things. God hasn't stored up bad things for you. He's stored up good things for you, that he's reserved some things for you. He's not out of stock. Come on, somebody that he has more available than what we've ever experienced. And whether you're a new believer or you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, yesterday is gone. And now we have an opportunity for some new things ahead of us. And I hope you strap your seatbelt on and get ready for what God wants to do in your life this year. And as we step into this next week, uh, a week from today, we start a brand new series I'm breaking through. I'm just believing that God will help you break through, break through in your marriage, break through in your business, break through in your family life, even personally being able to say, God, I wanna break out of kind of the the, the cycle I've been in or the level of living that I've been in. I want something brand new. And of course, we've waited not to begin today because today is kind of a standalone message. We begin next week coinciding with our prayer and fasting, which will begin on Monday the 15th. And I just want you to go to that next level. But if you're going to go there, you got to go there with me. Don't just sit back and expect me to spoon feed you. Come on, how many? No, you're not a baby anymore. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're not a baby anymore. <laughs> All right? So I want, to, I want you to figure out how I'm going to participate. and Get ready. And don't just expect it to just happen to you. And uh, as we step into that future, I'm ready for God to break us out of our ruts, our low expectations, our limited faith, and a breakthrough of God's power in our life. Can I get an amen to that? So today, I want to go right into my message. The title of my message is this, Fan Your Faith. Say that with me. Fan your faith. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. How many have your paper Bibles? Let me see them. I'm just curious here today. Wave them around. Yeah, there we go. I many have your electronic version. I'll let you in on this too, because you might be using the Manual M and App. I like that. Hey, get yourself a paper Bible. They're changing a lot of stuff digitally out there. And the word of God is something that you need to have permanently in your heart. Get a paper Bible if you can. Start reading it. Paul is writing to his son in the faith, his protege. Timothy, they've had previous relationship and now Paul is in prison. And he's writing a letter because that's the only form of communication he has left to help his son in the faith along. So starting with verse three, it says this, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience just as my ancestors did. Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you. To fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by appearing, the the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That is why I'm suffering here in prison. But I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until the day of his return." Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you have learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. And all the people said amen. Amen. I read this text to you, and now I'm going to preach from that text, and we're going to go right through it. See, Paul is not able to influence Timothy in person. So he writes this very personal letter, very personal language. He mentions tears and remembering Timothy day and night in prayer. It's as if he has this personal investment, personal interest. He wants Timothy to make it. And I want you to hear today from our ancient father in the faith, Paul, who's one of the apostles, author of 2 Timothy. I want you to hear from him this great love and concern for you. To not just see this as a conversation between two other people, but to hear it as him speaking to you because he cares about you. And there's something deep inside. And when Paul is about to write And what he's going to write here is essential for both Timothy and the people who are underneath Timothy's leadership. So if he's going to catch it, it's essential not just for Timothy, but the people he leads. I want you to understand when you get to church on Sunday morning and you're hearing a message, it's not just about you. Everyone that looks to you, mom, everyone that looks to you, dad, everyone that looks to you, friend, everyone that looks to you, aunt and uncle, everyone that is counting on you or observing you or following you, they count on you hearing this message. Sometimes we can get into kind of third-person view. We're just watching a movie. Our mind is in other places, but we don't necessarily fully embrace the word that God is trying to give to us. I just want to challenge you today to fully lock in because other people are counting on you. You should understand something. What you do with what you learn impacts way more than just you. Who you are becoming is what they will receive as you lead them. Paul mentions to Timothy what he already has before giving him new instruction. He says, I remember your genuine faith. Other versions say sincere faith. In case you forgot, you did have a genuine surrender somewhere along the line. And Paul is saying, you have something. He's reminding him, there's some things in your life that you might not be thinking about. While you're thinking about it, as, Pastor Joshua talked about last week the storms and the waves and everything around you. You might miss the fact that you actually have something secure in your story. You have a moment in your story, a time, and the enemy and the world around us work to make us forget that we actually have something. And he talks about it being his faith. You have faith. You have something that you have with you. It's a part of who you are. And it comes from, in Timothy's case, from spiritual heritage. What does it say there? He says, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Grandma, Lois, and mom, Eunice, I've passed on what's called a legacy. A legacy is something that you give to those behind you. You leave it behind. I want to ask you a question. What legacy have you received spiritually in your life? Who are the people that have invested in you, lived out? I'm not talking about the ones that were corrupt and the ones that messed up and were not good testimonies. I'm talking about who are the people that actually did it right, lived it out in front of you, stayed true with their faith? Who invested in you? My wife talks about people that would pick her up for church on Sunday morning in a church bus and they would get a ride to church. Somebody invested something in you at different points in time. I can recall different youth leaders in my own story and and, and youth pastors that invested in me. My parents, I watched them as they lived it out week after week after week, and even though some of their stuff sounded boring, hello, they are a part of a heritage for me, a legacy that was passed on. And let me ask you the second question. What legacy are you leaving? How you live, what are you giving to your kids and your grandkids and, and the influence of the people around you? What are you giving right now? What's the status of your legacy? Some people that have great, great wealth and, and they, they realize at some point in their life that they're not gonna live forever. Forever. And so they began to say, well, I want to invest my, my resources in something. Some people will give endowments to schools or they'll build big edifices or they'll, they'll put a, they'll put a, a park, an a investment in a city and they'll help with the playground equipment or whatever it may be. And you can see bridges named after people and schools named after people and, and all these people are trying. Their name can live on beyond their life on this earth. But let me tell you this, when it comes to the essence of what you really want to pass on, it's not in the buildings or the house or the stuff that you have. It's the character that you get from the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? I've got a picture on my desk and it's, uh, it's got a whole bunch of things on this picture. It's got two Bibles. One is my Bible. The other one is actually Pastor Mark Denya's Bible that I got to have. There's a mantle that I received at ordination, that little folded up white thing there. And, and, uh, and then there's a, a little statue of Jesus uh, washing a disciple's feet. And that statue uh, was given to me uh, at my, when I, was, uh, I received my doctorate in the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary and it represents the, the servanthood. And the picture that you can't really see real closely is actually my ordination ceremony where my grandpa was there with me and my dad and and Jody and and my mom, and we were all at the same place we took a picture. I keep those things in front of me to remind me when I get up to preach, I have a legacy behind me. That there's more to this, and I have a responsibility with that legacy to not let them down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want you to think about that for your life. That there's more going on than just living and dying. There's more going on than just eating and going to work. That there's an essence of who you are that you are passing to the next generation. Some of us have genetic family that are faith family like I do, but others have it just from the family of faith. You read Hebrews 11 about the heroes of faith. And listen, even if you grew up in a family that did not love Jesus and you did not have a model because you are called by Jesus into the family of God, adopted into the family, you have mentors all over the place that you are a part of it. You are included in the legacy of the church. Can I get an amen to that? Paul says, and that same faith continues strong in you, Timothy. Paul compares Timothy's faith to a fire. He said, this is why I remind you to fan into flames that faith. He's got something, and he's, got, he's comparing it to a fire. Now, I've got some fire here today, uh, firewood wood. I don't have a fire because the fire marshal doesn't want me to start one. So you're going to have to just go there with me, all right? But what Paul is saying to Timothy is, Tim, you've had a fire passed on to you, but your fire can grow cold. So you have a responsibility to do something with your faith that you have a responsibility to keep it going. Everybody say, keep it going. He says, I want you to keep that thing moving. Now he reminds Timothy of a moment that, a shared moment that Paul had with Timothy when he says in verse six, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Now, for those of you that don't have a biblical history and you haven't heard any teaching on the laying out of hands, there's, this is not anything creepy. This is not something kind of weird and goofy. It's actually a practice in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that when someone was being uh, dedicating their life into a, a calling or a mission or to the next thing, that they would actually put their hands on them, people, the elders of the church, and they would pray over them and bless them. Earlier on in Timothy's life, Tim had been chosen to become a pastor of what the church that Paul had started. And somewhere along the line, we don't know the details of it in this text at the moment, but there was a laying out, there was a moment that wasn't just Timmy hearing from God. It was also Paul was a part of it. You know, we got to have people that remind us of who we really are. Remind us that God did speak to us, that I was there when God did something in your story. Sometimes I, I have moments when, when I get to talk to people, and, and they're kind of drifting in their faith, and they're wondering what's going on, and, and they've kind of lost some things. And I, I, I remind them, no, no, I remember when you came to the altar. I remember when tears were running down your face. I remember when you repented of your sin. I remember when God healed you. I remember when God helped you through suffering. I remember when God helped you go through something you didn't think you you could survive. And God has always been, sometimes we need somebody else to remind us I was there with you. And sometimes we need to remind other people of that, right? No, 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 God is real. That wasn't fake, that was a real moment that you had with God. He says, I laid my hands on you. Paul says that there was a spiritual gift given to him at that moment. Now there's some debate about what the gift was, but I believe the gift was the Holy Spirit who has all the gifts. Come on, somebody. Listen, as a pastor, I am looking at all kinds of people who have had God moments in your life when you knew that something special was happening between you and God. A camp moment where you woke up and quit living for yourself or a church service where God met you, a traumatic event where you knew that God was speaking to you and the Holy Spirit came in. Now here's a fact that Paul says. The fact is that where the Holy Spirit of the gift is, the gift overcomes fear. Now Tim might be going through some stuff. He might be afraid of some things and Paul wants to remind him, listen, It overcomes fear. Verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. See, fear and timidity like to work in the brain. And the enemy likes to go at us, and Revelation, he's referred to as the accuser. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. Accusing is a mental weapon. That's where it happens. Fear is in the brain. That's where we begin to question, doubt, worry, fear. This generation is full of anxiety and fear. And I think the enemy knows just how to pull all of the puppet strings to push people who are in a state of fear. Fear, the root word for it, is the word timid, which means to cut the power off to prevent you from being who you should be. And essentially, the enemy wants to take you out of victory in your head. Why am I talking about this on the first Sunday of 2024? Well, first of all, we just come off of holiday season. We're probably a little bit heavier today than we were a few weeks ago. And people start off with their New Year's resolutions and right away in our own head, no, I failed before, I can't do this, I can't follow through, and in the battle of the mind, the enemy goes, that's right, you can't do it, so why even try? The accuser comes at you and tries to take you out in your head, but you need to get out of your head. You need to let the Holy Spirit into your head and recognize that fear is not from God that you can listen to a different voice and instead of fear, the spirit brings faith. And What does it say in Revelation 12, 11? And by the group of people that had faith and they defeated him, the accuser, by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Now, now listen, Timothy, Paul is saying, since fear is not your leader, Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Verse 8 So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. If there's ever been a day and age at which people are careful with what they say publicly, it's right now. When I worked at North Central University, and I, I would travel, I would get on the plane, and people would say, So what do you do? And I'd say, I'm in education. I, I work at, at a university, I teach, or I'm in part of an administration. Well, that's really cool, and we'll have a long conversation. Now when I get on a plane, they go, so what do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh, headphones. <laughs> People have preconceived ideas about Christianity and our beliefs. And if, if there's anything going on right now in the big narrative of life, in the spirit, I would argue... The enemy, the accuser, is trying to shut the mouths and make us timid about our faith. Paul says, don't be timid. Don't be ashamed. Don't mute your faith. Don't shut it down because you're worried about what the other person thinks about your faith. Listen, If the other person has control or the perceived fear that they're not gonna like what you believe shuts you down, is it cold or is it hot? This week uh, we released an interview that I did with Pastor Mark Deniz one month before he went to be with Jesus. And uh, it was on our Separate Hearted Leader podcast. Anybody here listen to that? Um, and uh, I did the interview. Nobody had heard uh, that or seen him for 10 years. It was on a DVD in my, in my office. And we decided to pull it out. Pastor Mark Daniels was the founder of Emmanuel, and he was a fiery preacher. And he would preach about end times and righteousness. I I really encourage you to listen to it because it's a father of the faith speaking to us and I just was about to start as the lead pastor of our church. So I'm asking him questions and, uh, and I'm, I'm hearing back important things but also he wasn't like super excited about my future. Like he knew I would lead well and all of that and he was encouraging me but he says it's not gonna be easy, Nate. It's gonna be really hard. People aren't going to like you because of what you believe in. And who would have thought in 10 years the change that we would go through in that regard in our society. And the changes in the church world and things that used to be called sin are now acceptable even in the church world. The things that used to be considered unholy now are acceptable. And people have a lower level of commitment to their faith. Now, I'm not saying everything about back in the day was better. I'm just saying, think about it. A lot has changed in 10 years. In 2 Timothy, Paul, later on in the the letter that, that he writes in chapter three, this is what Paul said to Timothy. He said, you should know this, Tim, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They'll betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Parents, if you're raising kids right now, you need to fight to live holy. We need to get behind the parents nowadays. As your pastor, I want to get behind you and say, you can do this. Even when other people are shaming you for raising kids a godly way, you do it anyways. You keep loving your kids, living right, and saying no. No is a godly word sometimes. Come on, somebody. No, you can't watch that. No, that's not okay in God's sight. No, I don't want that in your life. And even if they don't like you and they're teenagers, come on, somebody. You still have a responsibility to be their parent, not just their friend. And as long as you hold the money, you hold the power. (laughs) Who pays for that cell phone bill? Come on. Sometimes I, I think kids manipulate their parents. And the parents need to learn to have a little bit of a backbone. Come on, somebody. That was not in my notes. Sorry. (laughs) Go back to chapter 1, 2 Timothy, verse 13. He says, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Now this week in prayer, I felt like the Lord was telling me to tell you to fan and to flame the gift that you already have. It might be dormant. It could, it could have been years since you were in the flow. And I know there might have been a lot of other things, but it only takes one step to repent and turn back toward him. You must fan into flame your faith. You have to do something with the faith that you have. Fire needs to be attended to. Get your faith back. Let me give you three logs of faith that you gotta pay attention to on the fire. The first one is this, the word of God. We talk about it all the time and I'm just finding eight different ways to say it every weekend, right? But the word of God is so important if your faith is gonna be on fire. Later on in chapter three of 2 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and it makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it the word, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. We all develop our thoughts about the truth by listening to the voices around us. Parents teach their kids. We learn from teachers. Some people learn from TikTok. But the most reliable voice in the world is the word of God, the Bible. It's the best-selling book in world history. It's been translated into over 2,200 languages and dialects. There are 66 books, and it stood the test of time. In fact, I'd like to say the Bible has tested positive for truth. It has. 2 Timothy 3.16 says it's inspired by God. The NIV says it's God-breathed. The Bible is in a competition for our source of truth because the enemy wants to be our source. See, Satan in the garden, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden Did God really say that? See, there's another voice in your head sometimes coming through other sources. And that voice can overtake the truth, twist the truth, change the truth in your own head unless you get into the Bible. See, the enemy is clever. He's masquerading as an angel of light, 2 Corinthians 11, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He likes to take a... Uh, make a, a distortion look like the truth, and the enemy w- wants to take what we think is wrong and make it look right. He's into the counterfeit, if you will. And his intent is to deceive, to mislead, to pervert, to kill, steal and destroy. But you beat a counterfeit by studying the authentic, real thing. Come on, somebody. So listen, this is something that I can't do for your faith. I can preach on Sundays. And I promise you, as long as I'm around, I'm gonna keep preaching the Bible. There's a lot of good self-help stuff out there and there's a lot of good ideas, a lot of hype stuff, but let me tell you, none of that helps your faith. This will help your faith. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, okay? But Sunday morning, won't help you on Wednesday. Unless you're listening to this right now. And it's Wednesday. See, my, what you've got to do is consider how am I personally going to put that on the fire? How am I reading? Now we give you t- tools, we've got Bible plans on the app. You can go join at any point in the year on the Bible One Year app or you can go to the Bible app on version on your phone. You can have it read to you. You can have different translations and versions. You can have all kinds. Of, but the point isn't whether or not there are resources for that. The point is, are you putting the log on the fire? Are you using it? If you want a seal the faith that will uh, take the arrows of the enemy and, and block them, then you're going to have to actually have the word in your life, or the enemy is going to succeed in taking you out. First log of faith is the word of God. The second is this, the presence of God through worship and prayer. The presence of God through worship and prayer. There's nothing like getting into the presence of God in worship and prayer in Psalm 27 verse 7 it says hear me as i pray o lord be merciful and answer me my heart has heard you say come and talk with me and my heart responds lord i am coming see there is no replacement for prayer and worship between you and god even in church we can have the best performance The most high-tech thing, the best voices. But if we don't have the presence of God, let's close up shop. Every single time we gather together, we come in with all kinds of baggage from the week and things that we're walking through, but sure enough, while we're worshiping Jesus together, where two or three are gathered together, Jesus is there too. All of a sudden, there's a shift that happens on the inside because we recognize his presence is with us. Our faith is being fanned into flame every single time. We sing and we pray, God is with us. Can I get an amen to that? In his presence, his gifts are activated. And number three, serving the mission of God. There are lots of people that have, they've got all kinds of uh, knowledge. There's some people in our church and other churches, you go to like three Bible studies a week. Some people that, They've got enormous amounts of time worshiping God and praying, love it. But there's one element, if you're not serving in God's kingdom, you're not joining the activity that God cares about, but all you're doing is taking it in for yourself, your faith will grow cold. There's something that is active. Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and preach the good news and make disciples of every nation. That meant we had to go. Go is an action word, it's an activity word, it's movement, if you will. And I would just say this to you: there are seasons of time at which, in the body of Christ, at which we have to take a step back from serving. I get it. Seasons after a great turmoil or, or just tiredness and you need replenishment. But listen, those are just seasons. Because if you stay in that where you become a theater Christian and all you do is observe Christianity in somebody else's faith, but you're not exercising your own faith and serving other people, you will grow cold in your faith. This is why all the time, and we do it every month at Emmanuel, we have growth track going on, because we want to continuously challenge and offer opportunity for you to activate your faith. You activate your faith when you serve other people. I'm not just saying in church, but yeah, why not in church? Don't just be a consumer Christian. You come for what you get and leave. Why not care about other people? You can help out with kids' ministry. You could jump in and, and be a great door opener or, or somebody in the parking lot. You could join one of our production teams or youth ministry kids. You could jump into something. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I have enough time for that. I don't know if I want to do that. I okay, keep giving me that. Let me ask you a question. How's your faith? If you don't have it active then your faith has no connection to the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts are activated through action and serving. You've got to serve. You've got to serve. Get off the bench. Faith is not a spectator sport. It's something that we all engage ourselves in. I'm Pastor John Carlos, uh, I asked him to jump up here with me. And... Uh, you know, I, when I think about my story of faith, I go back to camps when I was a kid, and then I was a youth pastor, and then there were some camps when I was at North Central when you were a college student, you were leading worship, and Pastor Audrey was also on one accord, and we were going to camps, and there were dynamic moments. And I remember weeks where, where students would come, and beginning of the week, they're one way in their head and they're only noticing guys or girls or whatever it may be and they're having the fun and they're trying to stay up all night and everybody's drinking Mountain Dew till they shouldn't. And then by the middle of the week, God's moving in those students' lives and, and then all of a sudden, they're at the altars and they come up and it's just them and Jesus. in my own life. Jody told me not to say my age anymore. (laughs) None of your business years. There's a lot of time underneath me. I I can look back and remember some really fire moments in my story. I recall when we were young and married and I can recall God answering our prayer and we were, it wasn't an emotional thing, it was just a trust thing and God provided, Jehovah Jireh always provides. I can recall all of the moments that, as our kids were raised and all the, the times that we went through and God was real then but this is today and I want to fan into flame today the faith that I have Because wherever it's at, it's a part of my legacy. I tell my dad, you know, he's a couple decades ahead of me. I always tell him, keep loving Jesus and show me how to live when I get there. Because I'm on the same set of railroad tracks as you, Dad. I don't want your best days of faith to be back when you were in your 60s. Let's be people that are full of the flame, the fire of God, every decade of our life. And learn to fan it in the flame. Can I get an amen, church? So John Carlos, why don't you lead him to song that we used to do way back in the day?
1: Mm, so light the fire in my soul. Fan the flame. And make me whole. Oh Lord, you know just where I've been So light the fire in my heart again Light the fire in my soul Fan the flame and make me whole Lord, you know So light the fire In my heart Again And I stand To praise you But I fall On my knees My spirit Is hungry But my flesh is so weak, so light the fire in my soul, fan the flame and make me whole. Lord, You know where I've been, so light the fire in my heart again. So light the fire in my soul. And all of our locations,
0: go ahead and stand.
1: And make, make me, whole. me whole. Oh, Lord, you know Jesus. where I've been. So light the fire in my heart again. Sing it again. Oh, light the fire. My soul, fan the flame, and make me go. Lord, you know just where I've been. So light the fire in my heart again. Light the fire in my heart again.
0: Church. Some of us need to lock in on the word a little bit more forcefully. Some need to spend time in his presence intentionally. All of us need to get off the bench. Our pastoral staff and elders and prayer teams are here in each of our locations to practice the laying on of hands even today. If you need that at, during the service here at the end, it's gonna be time we're calling people to the front, to the altar, each of our locations. And you feel comfortable, let them just put a hand on your shoulder and pray. We're not gonna do anything crazy. We're just gonna believe that in this moment, God is gonna give you a gift or stir the gift that's already there, that God would do a great thing in your life. We need to have faith Instead of fear. Can I get an amen, church? Yeah. We need to recognize we're adopted into his family. We need to recall our legacy and submit the present tense legacy that we're leaving to those behind us. I'm gonna believe by faith that this year is gonna be the best year of your life. That God will move in incredible ways but it's gonna be because you are fanning into flame, the gift that's already in you, that I can't do for you, but you can do it with me. I'm gonna pray for you and then we're gonna go on in the service in each location. Just lift up your hands to heaven right now. Father, we come before you. We thank you that you are faithful and that you are able to do above and beyond anything we think, ask, or imagine according to the power that Lord, raise Jesus from the dead and is in us. I pray, oh God, that you take us from wherever we are, that, Lord, you would fan into flame that story, that, God, you're doing, update us, a fresh download from heaven that activates our faith. And then I pray, oh God, we would learn to be obedient to do your word, not just read it, but put it into action. And I pray, God, the people around us, would receive the overflow of the legacy, Lord, of what you're doing through us into our kids and grandkids, our friends, our co workers, the school classmates that we have. I pray God it would move all the way out and we would be faithful to the faith that we have. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Church, we're going to begin to sing. And I'd just like to call you to come and find a spot up at the front, if you can, where you're just gonna say, I'm gonna make this my moment of dedication for this year and what I'm stepping into. I'm gonna fan it into flame. And and if you're like, I don't know, I've never done that before. Then you don't have to, but step out into the aisle. Make a motion somewhere. Get down on your knees. Begin to say, God, I'm going to fan into flame. I'm not going to be apathetic. I'm not going to be passive with my faith. I'm going to be active with my faith. I'm going to do what you're calling me to do. And we'll pray at the end of the service here, but let's begin to call upon the Lord and let him do his work in our story.
1: so like the fire in my soul the flame and make me whole. Lord, you know where I've been. So light the fire in my heart again. today church come on the light, the fire.